This Tome Show production is supported by listeners like you. Keep using the affiliate links for Amazon and dndclassics.com and support the show while you shop. Welcome to the News Desk. Once a month, we get together to chat about the latest news in D&D, and I'm your host, Sam Dillon. And I'm Jeff Greiner, and live from the city of Brass is our man on the street reporter today, and it is Randall Walker. Randall, welcome hey. back, sir. I'm it's shocked. It's really warm here. <laughs> Well, yes, but you'll be able to find ni- uh, lots of genies, right? And you can maybe get a wish or two out of them. The genies are all really pissed off. Oh. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Yeah. On to, on to the news. <laughs> I will start things off, and I'm going to look at, as I usually do, the, the in the works for February, uh, as it is now the end of February. Uh, they start off by talking about the um, new encounter season starting against the cults of Cha- the cult of chaos, uh, tying into sort of the the village of Hamlet stuff. And they say they're also inspired by against the cult of the reptile god to create a, a thing. But what I think is going to be uh, the biggest interest on this D and D encounters session or season is that it's set up as a fourth edition uh, se- season. But there are conversion nodes, and they are offering the, to allow people to run the entire season as D&D Next as well. So it could be some people's first chance to get together and play some D&D Next and see what that's like. Now, Jeff, is this going to be the last 4th um, edition style encounters weekend? I mean weekend. Is this going to season. be the last yeah, season? Um, I, don't, I don't know that. Because um, I I read the Lair Assault thing too that they're they're about to come out with a new the yeah. next Lair Assault and it's going to be the last one I got the impression I I just it skimmed it though so yeah, yeah it is and I was going to talk about that later but you you oh, beat me to sorry. it sorry I stole your thunder no no, no that's the fine that was the, that was the next thing on the list is that the the Temple of the Sky God Lair Assault is going to be the last Lair Assault um, you know and that they're looking at some some ideas and some options as to what to do in the future um, but this is the official end of the la- of layer assault um, for the time being anyway i suppose they could always bring it back if if you know it's popular enough and demand says so sure. but of course if it was popular enough they probably wouldn't be doing away with it um, but yeah i I, they, I haven't seen anything saying that this is the last encounter season or that okay. this is the last encounter season with fourth edition um, i suspect they won't wholeheartedly convert over to next and only next until it's done, you know, or sure, le- or at sure. least close enough to done that they can they can justify doing. I, you know, I can see like the the encounter season right before next comes out being all D and D next as sort of their way to highlight it and and, and sure. you know, with a, with like a yeah. quick start version of the rules or whatever. Yeah, I just didn't know if because uh, I'm not I don't keep up with the organized play stuff very much so or very closely so I, I mm-hmm. wasn't sure if I just had missed an announcement or something. Mm-hmm. So no, so far as I know, I haven't seen that. Um, the, uh, the, and skipping then past Lair Assault because we already talked about it. Um, I don't. Did we talk about the audiobooks on Audible last time? Yes, we did. Okay. In other uh, news, <laughs> in other uh, I guess novel news here, um, Richard Lee Byers's Prophet of the Dead um, book is out or is coming out this month. Um, Karen's Claw paperback is out this month. And next month in March, we have The Last Threshold, which is the next R.A. Salvatore Driss novel. Uh, and people should be looking on the feed for an interview with R.A. Salvatore about that book. It's an interesting uh, t- 
to, to, to spoil a little bit, it's an interesting different take on a typical Driss book. Um, so far, I mean, they spend the first half of the book without a, a real clear, this is the villain and the plot that needs to be foiled, and more of these are the relationships and the things that they have to deal with in those relationships. So it's, it's a bit of a different take uh, on Driss. He's, it's a bit of a transitionary book, I think. Hmm, interesting. I think it's laying a lot of groundwork for where they're going in the next Drist book, which is going to be part of the Sundering series and where there's, you know, big world shattering things. Sure. So, and I think we already mentioned the the PDF store uh, mm-hmm. in the last episode yeah. as well at dndclassics.com. So people can go check that out. That's for some yeah. reason in here uh, as well. They are they are still releasing, uh, you know, just about every week and a half or so they've been releasing a little bundle of oh, have they? I haven't been so, back in yeah, a week or two. It's it's uh it's grown quite a bit. There's a uh, 90 something products now right on so yeah it's it's really that's good they've been really also very good at updating the products yes. that you already have yep. and i thought that was really cool yep. because i've gotten like three or four notices of hey this has been updated we fixed this map here we yep. fixed this there and yeah. um it's notably cool, so. notably uh the temple of the frog the old module temple of the frog was uh it had was it lacked two of the maps and they were very quick to fix that mm, good um so uh, if you purchase that product and you haven't gotten a, a notice, you can actually go back to Drive Through or D and D Classics dot com, Drive Through RPG, and uh, and get the updated version with maps. Cool. Um, and then they go into, I mean, and some of this we're going to start repeating ourselves a little bit, right? Because mm. we're getting several months ahead, and then we'll do another one sure. next month. Yeah. Uh, yep. In in February, they're releasing uh, re releasing the first edition Unearth Arcana. Uh, for people to mm-hmm. to buy or rebuy, as the case may be, I, I got mine in the mail today. Did you? Does it look cool? Yeah. It is awesome. Yeah, awesome. It's very well done. Yeah. And then in March, you've got the collected of the collection of the S series with the Dungeons of Dread uh, yes. adventures, which I'm probably more interested in the adventures than I am the actual rule books because I can take the adventures and and convert them into yep. whatever edition I want to play. Yep. Now, when is the A series releasing? Uh, that is not on the list this month, so I don't huh, know. Interesting. Okay. But I think this is new. Uh, in April, they're releasing the 3.5 Premium Spell Compendium, which is oh. sort of a collection of spells from a, a bunch of different books. Wow. So something for the 3.5 players to, to latch onto or to be able to, yeah. to, re- to get if they never got a chance to before. Uh, in cool. the in the category of board games and minis, the this month the Blood of Grumsh um, Dungeon Command set comes out. Um, which I had orcs, a orcs, orcs. It's orcs, 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 right? Is that how you pronounce that? Grumsh? Yeah, I've, I always I've, pronounced it Grumsh. Yeah, me too. Oh, I was just curious. Yeah. I've always said Grumsh. Oh, interesting. Huh. Okay. Well, <laughs> but sorry, le- just. To, but at least sorry. no. But at least nobody around here is saying Dro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. I was. I was. Uh, I, I listened to my first D and D Audible book the uh, last week. Uh, oh, before no. before they I started pronounced before. I, well, it, it was. And it wasn't a drow story, uh, but there was one character at a revel, who, a costume party basically, who was dressed as a drow. Right. And just in that one line, they said drow, <laughs> and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> like like yeah. when you mispronounce you know, things that are specific to the Forgotten Realms, you know, the names of this, these people or that city or whatever, I can kind of forgive that. I, you know, if anything else, I can pretend in my head that it's, it's a regional dialect thing or whatever. Right. But, but no, it's <laughs> drow. It's not dro. That is a standard of D&D. No dro. I'm doing That's my hilarious. part right now to get that out into the world. No dro. It's only drow. <laughs> Anyway, that's all they have for uh, yeah. for minis and board games. So I'm done with, all right, with cool. the news. 
That means I get, to, I get to pick up my news item, which is that uh, the D&D Neverwinter MMO has recently had a open beta weekend. Well, uh, not open. They've recently had a beta weekend, right. and they will have three more in the, month, in the month of March. And if you would like to get in on those, you can go to the website and you can purchase uh, a kit for your character at a varying costs – ranging from $20 to $200. Although the $20 to, one doesn't come with the beta weekend access. Oh, oh you are right. If That's you want, correct. You know, I, I do not want to, that, to mislead anyone. Yeah. So, if you yes. want access to that, you got to pay 60 You have to pay 60 or 200 and and they come with various goodies and, and with VIP uh, beta access for that weekend, for those three weekends. There's three more weekends. Um, so I recommend if you are an MMO fan that you go check it out and check out their FAQ that they have linked there. There's some good information in there. Now, one note that the, uh, the release date for the, for the non-beta version is, is some ways off. So if you'd like to get a taste of what it might be like, then I recommend getting in on this sooner rather than later. Sure. And we don't actually know how far off, right? Because they haven't uh, announced right, the official release. Right, it's, but it's at least several months off. I mean, you, you know, it says probably. early 2013. Yeah. It's probably at least three months away. Okay. So. So do we just consider anything within the first six months of 2013 to be early? Well, but, okay, it says early <laughs> 2013, but their beta weekends go all the way up through March 24th. Right. So no, if I, early is the first quarter, they're already missing it, right? No, I'm just saying, I, I don't know what is, is typical in video game parlance. So I'm legitimately asking, is, do they just consider um, early the first half? I, I don't know. Uh, okay. But what I do know is that um, computer development, g- game development is a lengthy process. And so sure. if they're having open – or if they're having beta – I keep saying open. If they're having beta weekends uh, in March, then it's probably going to take a couple of months at least to incorporate the things that they figure out in right. beta weekend. Or although fix although part of me wonders – I mean could you call something a beta weekend but in reality it's more of an early look while we continue to tweak it? You well, know, yeah, it's, sure. It's, basi- but, it's basically yeah, done, but we're letting, you, letting yeah. you get an early look, right? But so you, maybe, but, you know. then, but you wouldn't, but you wouldn't do that and then release it one month later. You would, you would wait, right, for a couple months at least. I don't know. I don't know either. I, I, I could, but, be, but, but I have, I have people in my gaming group that work for video game companies. I should ask them. Yeah, yeah. But so that's it. So I recommend you check it out if you're an MMO fan. It looks pretty interesting. I. And I don't happen to be a person with uh, with a lot of MMO experience or time to gain experience, um, but it looks pretty cool. So you never know. If you're a D&D fan, it might be just the thing for you. But we all know that deep down the topic you wanted to talk about is the one that Randall's going to tell us about now. Yeah, that's, that's okay. right. Wizards of the Coast uh, you know, is- Rand- Randall is, is, is defying the, the dangers of the City of Brass tonight. So that <laughs> that's right. So I'll give him this one. Okay. <laughs> So as I was saying, Wizards of the Coast has dialed back the Wayback Machine to 1974 and are re-releasing the white box set. But this time they've put some racing stripes on it and boosted it up a little bit. Um, every it, Well, not everyone remembers the older <laughs> set. <laughs> well, remember. 1974, I was, I was five years away from being born. Yeah, there you go. So, um, And I was uh, eight, so... Yeah, um, way before I started playing D&D anyway. But the white box set was the original three booklets that comprised Dungeons & Dragons. It is actually the only version of Dungeons & Dragons that I have not played. 
Oh. I've played oh. every single other version. I never played out of the three white books. Um, this very nice set. It's a very premium set. It's got uh, the original volumes, Men and Magic, Monsters and Treasure, and Underworld and Wilderness Adventures. And then it also includes some of the later supplements that came out, um, including uh, Greyhawk, Blackmoor, Eldritch Wizardry, and Gods, Demigods, and Heroes. So um, it's got all uh, seven of those books packed in there. Um, the books have new covers, but they've got all of the original interior illustrations. So it's going to be a very familiar book to everyone. Those are packed in a case with six premium dice. Or excuse me, not six. Uh, I've got to add here ten. four plus. Yes, ten, ten. premium dice. I'm um, looking at the picture. <laughs> and... Um, it clay, yeah, because it has 4D6 with it and then a set of your regular polyhedrons. And all in a very nice box um, with a leatherette cover, I think. Or is it a wood cover? It's wood I, I think it's wood. Yeah, I think it's all etched Yeah, I wood. think you're right. And, and they don't say anything about yes. those dice, but they, those look l- similar to like Q-Workshop-style dice. With yeah. They do look like Q-Workshop dice. I, I, oh, go ahead. I'll be honest. I'll be honest and say I hope that's a mock-up and that they don't give us those dice. I hope I they would, give us a different – it's so hard to read those dice. Some, some of yeah. them are, but some of them aren't. And so I, I, I'd, hold out, I'd hold out judgment. Oh, I know. That's why I said I think that if if, if this is a mock-up, then that's perfect. I'm fine. And, you know, if it came with these, I'd just switch them out and use my own anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, but yeah, they're – Well, part of me wants to to get this thing just for the box and, and, you know, put put my dice in it and and store minis or something in the middle or something. I mean that is really cool looking. But I don't know that I'm willing to spend 150 bucks on it. Yes, it's a little pricey. It does run at 150 bucks, um, 172 if you live in Canada. But uh, yeah, Can- yeah. If you're one of those weird Canadian, um, yeah. so the thing is, though, if you wanted to purchase uh, off of eBay, if you wanted to purchase the original three books and and the four supplements this comes with, uh, you're going to spend at least 150 dollars if you get them in decent condition. Now, if you want them yeah. in really good condition, you're spending 300. You want them in nice but red and used condition, you're probably spending at least 200. Right, but in that case, so, in that case I would be buying, you know, a historic artifact. In this case, sure, I'm, I'm yeah. buying a, a photocopy of a historic yep. artifact, you know. Oh, sure, so, yeah. yeah. Well, but that but by the same token, I I'm going to buy this and I'll use it whereas I won't use my older copies because I don't want them to disintegrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like it only for the opportunity to play a game of the original of this original version. Yeah. And it's like I said it's I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Maybe they give me the opportunity to ask for a review copy. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, more power to you, Jim. I, I get a decent <laughs> amount of review stuff these days. Yeah. 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 But anyway, it looks beautiful. Yeah, it does. So, um, I'm sure that will probably sell a lot of copies. A lot of people will get that just for the uh, uh, nostalgia factor alone. So. A minus box. the dice. I hope the dice are different. I'd actually love it if they were the original, um, no. like plas- plasticky dice that you I had to color not coloring in my dice. <laughs> I'd loved the. I mean, the thing is though, it was just it would so capture the original mm-hmm. version. In fact, um, you know what? If I'm paying 150 bucks, they should put well, in that. that, that they, they should put in that that precision <laughs> scientific whatever dice that you know you can yeah. poke an eye out game, with. The game science. Yeah, dice. that's the. <laughs> I'm yeah. co-plow or go home. Yeah, the actual random dice, not your your cheap kind of pretends to be random dice. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I just I, – the only reason I don't like the looks of the ones on the picture are because for me, my old-ass eyes, they're going to be hard to read. That's all. Sam, I'm right there with you. Can't read them for nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear you. 
So I wouldn't mind if they were just monocolor dice. I really don't care. As long as I can read it, if it's black with white letters, white numbers, that's fine. As long as I can read it, it doesn't matter. But if I'm paying that much money, that better be something special. And ev- yeah. every aspect oh. of the product better be pretty good, pretty darn good. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and like I said, this is probably a mock-up, so you never know. It might actually have custom specialized dice, which would be totally awesome. Yeah. So. All righty. All right. See. That's enough uh, see. lightning round news, huh? Yeah. Time to, to get, get into our main topics. And uh, I don't know. I kind of like the way things went last time where we each took one topic and gave ourselves a little more time to discuss. Um, but since I liked it and, uh, you know, I wrote the script, we're going to do that again. Uh, I basically took the order from last time and I put the person who was at the end at the beginning, which means I get to start. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about the Legends and Lore article from the 18th of February. Uh, which didn't have a whole lot to say in the first half, but then they, he talked. Uh, Mike Morales talks a bit about in the second half about healing in D and D next, um, and that what they've been sort of talking about with healing and, and their goals and what should be their goal and what shouldn't be their goal and, and all that kind of stuff. Right? Um, they said that they kind of started with the the basic idea that it, that they wanted to make sure that a cleric was not necessary to play the game. Um, and now he's, he anyway, I don't know about the rest of the R&D team, but he in this article says that he's kind of starting to back down on that, that maybe it's okay to say at a baseline, um, baseline version of the game that you rely on a cleric's healing, um, because that's the way it's been for most editions of the game anyway. Uh, and so, make, you know, make that a baseline, but then add things like the the hit die mechanic that we've been using in D and D next, and other, you know, maybe a healing surge style system, or make it l- less like uh, less easy to get healing. You know, you can through modular things. So you can crank it up or crank it down. How much healing is available using the modular rules is sort of what he's starting to think. Um, again, noting that he's one person in the R and D team, although the boss. So. I'm kind of curious what you guys think. Have you guys been playing next at all? And, and what do you think about where healing is right now? Uh, Sam, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go ahead. Um, right now. I actually think healing is still too easy. Um, I think there needs to be narrative support, but I think that, um, you know, this whole replacing your hit points every day, I think that's BS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'll admit to my grognardism there but that's I just think now there needs to be narrative support for that don't get me wrong I think that that right. is very important otherwise it's sort of you know uh cumbersome but um however I do not think it's bad for him to make the assumption or for it to be a gaming assumption that modules I mean well module adventures and things like that should be written with the assumption that there's probably going to be a healer along for the ride. Um, can you play it without him? Sure. But the DM will have to make arrangements around that. So my point is, is that I think there's no harm at all, assuming that a standard team, if you will, is going into an adventure. Because if you set up that as a standard, the DM then has something to work around. Um, if for, for some reason one of those standards isn't... Um, uh, complied with, or you can't do it. Maybe no one wants to play a cleric. That's fine, but the DM has to realize that then he's going to have to make adjustments to what's going on. So, yeah, yeah, and and it, uh, well, Sam, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. 
I was going to say, my, my sort of take on it is that I, I actually don't dislike healing as they currently have it in the in the playtest packet uh, with the hit dice mechanic and, and combined with a cleric to, to, to generally provide the healing you need. Um, the issue I have with it is that the fights are too easy. Um, and since the fights are so easy, there's too much healing. So you either need to crank up the the, dam- uh, the, yeah. the, the threat level of the fights or crank down the healing. Because as it is right now, you know, I could see if the healing was less, then over time, and as you're saying, you know, if it took longer to heal, you weren't just completely healed up every day, then over time, there is a growing threat. Um, right. Or you need to crank up the threat level so that healing every day makes sense. On one hand, I like the – I understand what, what you're talking about in terms of – I mean you get a, a more of a simulationist approach to it to should take longer to heal. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, however, in game terms, it's easier to just end the game session at the end of the night and they when everybody comes the next, the next game day – you know, okay, well, it's the next day, so you're all healed, and I don't, and nobody has to remember. Well, it's two weeks ago. How many hit points did I have left, or any of that, right? So, so there's some there's some logistics that's, that's that have an advantage. A, that's what a pencil's for, Jeff. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> but you gather my point that there's an no, there, I, yeah, there's I, a logistical I, I advantage to, yeah. to healing every day. Yeah, there is. Um, so I'm um, I'm of two minds about this a little bit, uh, and I, I think what's really funny is. Um, you you both basically said the same thing, and that is that <laughs> uh, healing that is too easy is BS, right? And you need you need to have, or, or if you're in a situation where healing seems easy, then it must it has to be necessary. In other words, there has to be an increased threat, and you have to be doing more right. damage so that you're using that healing so that you have to manage it as a resource, um, and. And and Randall was basically saying, look, you know, it needs to not be a system that makes it too easy to survive because part of the fun is managing the threat. So you're both kind of saying the same thing but coming from a slightly different point of view. And yeah. I think what's funny is that's pretty indicative of, of the reason why the topic was brought up and is, and is discussed a lot in the first place. And that is that um, – it's very easy to see five different points of view about why this is problematic or not problematic, depending on your point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a person who, you know, cleric is my favorite class, so <laughs> I don't mind having it in the rules that at a baseline, you know, it's going to be assumed that a cleric will be present. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's just something that's been in the game, and so it's very natural for me to follow into it, and I happen to like clerics, so it doesn't, you know... It doesn't doesn't hurt me in any way, or doesn't make me think twice about maybe the way the system is set up. Um, on the other hand, I know lots of people who had really bad experiences with clerics in the early games because all they all they did was you know they weren't really good at anything else other than healing, and they were just the heal bot. And people don't like that; they don't think mm-hmm. it's fun. So I think the real question to answer is: Does the current healing system create more fun? And I think the consensus right now is no, because it's unnecessary because the fights aren't challenging enough and at the same time it does not do anything to satisfy the sort of old guard who want fights to be deadly so that you need healing and also if healing is too easy it doesn't seem like it really implements the ideals of 
a dangerous fight, even if of, the fight was dangerous. Of course, it's worth noting that by consensus, I, I hope you mean amongst us. Because one of the points he makes is that this is where the problem is, is healing, is that there is no consensus. That there's yeah, fu- there, no, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and, and oh, yeah, so that's, that's, no, that's, that's, that's yeah, that's right. what I meant. Yeah, right. I was so that, talking that's about, what, yeah. that's why they're having funny. a hard time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if and you the, were to and, ask, yeah. oh, go ahead, Sam. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, if if I was if I was the designer and I was going to do healing, I would make it. You would heal one hit point per, plus your constitution bonus per day for the first week. After the first week, that doubles each day, and the, until you're healed, and that would be the base rate. Period. Mm-hmm. None of this heal after an encounter. None of this heal in the middle of the day. It would be overnight, and that's assuming you're getting rest. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're not getting any rest, one hit point. Period. Boom. That's it. And clerical healing is all on top of that. So you got cleric. Great. You're in good shape because. He can heal. He can, you know, if he's not used all of his heals in combat, he can heal. He can heal you at night. Get rid of his spells. Refresh him for the next day. And you know, that's how I would do it. Now, that's a very old school style of doing it. I realize, but that's I'll probably home home rule my games unless <laughs> I really really You're like homeschool your games. <laughs> homeschool my games. Yeah, if I I would probably home rule or house rule my games that way unless I'm just really impressed with the mechanic mm-hmm. they come up with. Now, well, and, and I think that's sort of what at least Mike is aiming for right now is let's create a really simple version now and then create a dozen different modules that people can use or not use. Sure. And so if so you're you can playing a, customize yeah. it. Right. If you're playing a tactical style D&D game, which is perfectly legit, that's fine. A lot of people love to play that way, you know, um, then some kind of rules that aid that type of play right. for healing, I think is a good idea. Sure. I mean, you know, I think that's and that's certainly valid. Um, that's not the style of my kind of campaign play, though. So that's not wouldn't work for that. So. Sure. Perhaps that's why I don't. Um, this topic doesn't bother me as much as it 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 sort of gets the dander up on a lot of people because sure. I just run the campaign the way I want it, and I would just ha- like Randall said, I would just house rule. If I don't like what yeah. they put in the core rules, I would just house rule it anyway. So, but healing yeah. is is enough of an, a big enough deal that I'd I'd prefer by far that they get it right. You know, in in the in in the, oh, yeah. in the sure. rules as written. Um, now that said, I had a couple of other things. First of all, uh, my experience with the cleric so far, and, and I've only played the recent playtest packet once uh, with the cleric. As much as I think they either need to increase the threat or decrease the healing, I also feel like compared to the amount of damage other characters are doing, the healing options that the clerics I've seen have is actually pretty lame, um, and that they don't feel like they're they're accomplishing very much. So that's an issue I have. The other issue I have is in this article is that it, it, it consistently says cleric. And do we wish it had said healer? Because one of the, I think, great things that 4th edition did was create healers who weren't clerics. Yeah. Um, see, I, yeah. I don't really have an opinion on that either. I mean... Yeah, me neither. I, see, I, 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 th- I think... I mean, if you want to make in the core four, of course, you got the cleric, but I think... Over time, offering other options as as healers as well, and and making the assumption that there's always a healer, not necessarily always a cleric, is I think a good thing. Uh, but see, I, I I guess for me, I look at his article as as talking about you know they're really discussing the core, they're really discussing the core of the game, and that's going to include the four base classes. Yeah, sure. 
And then so that's that. why he's yeah. And so that's why it didn't bother me that he didn't use no, no, the word no. healer. Because I'm sure later on they'll add they'll add classes. That right. It doesn't that. bother me that he didn't say healer instead of cleric. But in my head, I did I, that did occur to me that you know I I hope that doesn't mean they're not planning on other healers. But uh, I can't imagine that they're not. I mean, there's a shaman. You know, I'm sure that a shaman will will show up eventually and and or make druid. some sort of some sort of a warlord or a druid. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I you know you know the de- the development cycle for the beta part of the test is very different sure. from you know what's going to happen once they've got the, once they've got the core solid. So yeah, that, that I think that's just a language thing based on his idea mm-hmm. and talking about a very specific part of the game. So, all right, let's see who's next. That would be me. That's you. That would be me. All right, so what am I talking about? Oh, I, I, I really want to implore people to um, pay attention to the articles that are being written by John Shindahedi because um, even if you're not sort of an art person or you don't – or you're not – you know, you don't really care about how they're developing the art as long as you think it's good at the end, right? Like I, I know several people who said, oh, I don't really care about that, but I just want it to look good. Um, I really, I really want to say to people that he has some really interesting concepts and some really interesting, you know, points of view that are things that the sort of end user doesn't necessarily realize about the process of developing the art and the look of certain things in the game that we all end up playing and loving. Uh, and so this article that he posted on um, the 13th of February, it's about halflings. And if you remember way back in, I think, September or October or something, there was a, an initial halflings article when they were talking about how they're developing different classes mm-hmm. um, and some concept art. And this particular article sort of addresses a lot of the complaints that they received about the concept art and he he kind of he kind of talks about what concept art is as opposed to what an actual art piece is or an actual illustration is but not that's not really the important thing the important thing is that he actually goes in some pretty specific detail about how they have a problem making sure that things look right and you know, making sure that something looks like it's the right size without having to put a ruler next to it. And it's a very interesting article. So I'm not going to discuss a huge bit about it. Um, but at the end, he puts uh, four pictures, a little drawing with four pictures of halflings on it. And um, they look very different from the concept art that was that was talked about in the beginning, uh, sort of proving his point that, that the concept art is very different from, from the final product. But... Um, it's pretty interesting uh, pictures of halflings, and I think it's a really interesting article. And I think that this is maybe a part of the development of the game that a lot of people are maybe paying attention to now for the first time. You know, the sort of art aspect of it, rather than just ignoring it and caring more about mechanics. I think we should all be paying attention to the art too, because uh, John Shindahedi is a he, he writes very eloquently and very directly about the problems that they have and how they think about these problems and how they're tackling them. And it's very interesting, at least to me, and I'm sure it's probably interesting to a lot of other people too. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you haven't checked out these articles, I really think you should. I'm, and I'm going to take a lot of credit for these articles, just so you know. Are you? Yeah, because it yeah, wasn't... It's, it's, it's all you. For, Are you John well, Shindahedi in disguise? No, but here's the thing, is that John Shindahedi has been doing this stuff for a very long time, but mm-hmm. I've never heard him really publicly talk about it until after right. he was on our show. Oh really? <laughs> I think I think we introduced John Shedahedi to the world. 
I see. I see. <laughs> yes. So John Shindahedi's uh, time on the Tome Show podcast was sort of a rebirth or a birth, an initial birthing. It was a public birthing. To, to, to the yeah. public, yes. Okay. I see. See, I'm um, kind of – Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. I was just going to say my, my view on art goes – well, let me put it like this. When I'm going to diverge a second, but when uh-huh. Ian when Ian Anderson was working on the 20th anniversary box set for Jethro Tull, right? He said mm-hmm. they recorded it so that it would sound good on his wife's CD player. Okay, I sort of feel that way about art and D and D. I wanted I wanted to look okay, but I don't want it to skeeve my wife out, and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, those are the two well, things so, that I really care about. It's like so, right. But but so here's the thing, okay? And and I'm I'm sort of I really like the old school art. Like I really oh, I'm, I not, I'm not I'm not into <laughs> yeah I'm not into the current art, right? I, no offense to you know William O'Connor or you know Wayne Reynolds or any of those guys. They're fantastic artists, and and I I think they're very talented. But I just don't enjoy that style. It's just not stylistically what I like. Um, but the the value in these articles to me is about the process and talking about, you know, because he doesn't just talk about, well, here's how we draw, whatever. He's actually talking about it in relation to the game. And I find that fascinating because it is really something that, you know, I look at a piece of art and I either like it or I don't. And I, and then I move on, you know, I'm, I'm not an artist and, and most of the current art doesn't catch my eye as, wow, that's amazing. Um, So it's really interesting for me to see the sort of process and the way that they're going through it as it relates to the game, which is the way that his articles are. But I'm the guy they're they're doing a lot of that artwork for because I do really like the art. And when there's a good piece, I use it in my game. If it's not a good piece, then there's less in that product that I use in my game because the art doesn't fit what I'm trying to show. So So there's a there's a go ahead. I just gonna say it's interesting how the styles are different over the ages because I'm mm-hmm. Sam. I think I'm much like you. I like the simple line art. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped illustrate what was going on in the in in the material I was reading. I was not using it externally mm-hmm. for right. you know uh, examples. I would either talk about those things or I would find a picture somewhere else. In fact, I u- often used the um, remember the old Time Life fantasy book series that yes. had there was like a book on giants and a book on dragons mm-hmm. and. I used those illustrations an awful lot um, mm-hmm. in some of my older games because I, I knew I could go to those. They were full color plates and stuff like that, much like Jeff's talking about how he uses the art in the books mm-hmm. now. But, mm-hmm. right. but yeah, so I can see it both ways, but yeah. All right, Sam, well, and you want to talk about another article too, right? Yeah, there was, there's another article. Um, it's called <laughs> – it's also by John Shindahedi. It's called My Best Bud D&D. And what he does is he says – he wants the audience, the people reading the article, to think about – Dungeons and Dragons and to imagine Dungeons and Dragons was a person and that person was their best friend and someone asked them to describe their best friend but he wants people to do it in three to five words so he wants people to capture the essence of D&D in three to five words and he has a word list that you can pick from so he actually you know this is a this is a very interactive thing he wants you to go to the article read the article pick the words he tells you how to you know think about it and then he's got three he's got three things that he wants you to do and he wants you to imagine three things, and then he wants you to pick words to describe those things. Because what they're really trying to do is get at the essence of the game, the way that the uh, that the audience and the fans see it, so that they can make sure that that matches up with the art depictions and the illustrations and and everything in the game as written. Uh, and so he he actually wants people to go and 
you know, talk about what their primary way that they consume Dungeons and Dragons products are. You know, is it the role playing game or is it, you know, uh, the MMO? Is it, you know, all these different ways? Is it through books? How do you, you know, how do you experience D and D primarily? And then, so how would you describe it? And I and I really think that, um, you know, that this sort of article really shows how. The, this is the reason they're doing this playtest because they really want to develop it into a game that the majority of people will get a lot out of and will have contributed a lot to. And so I, I urge everyone to go read this article. It was, uh, it was posted on the 20th of February. And so what are your four, three to five words? Um, you know, to be honest, I have not – I haven't, uh, haven't gone through because he actually says, you know – he wants you to not do the quick answer. It's not about the immediate jerk response. No. It's about it's about imagining these three situations and and really getting at the essence of it. It's not about uh, initial gut feelings. So but I haven't. I'm, but I'm trying to have fun. fun on a podcast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I, this is this podcast is not about fun, Jeff. Come oh, on. I'm sorry. We're very serious. <laughs> well, I picked five words already, so there, I win. Okay. Well, there you go. I said creative, mystical, adventurous, entertaining, and intelligent. Mm. Those are my five hey, words. I don't like his pejorative use of the word Kansas in this article. Oh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, whatever. Where, where does I, he, I, where, I am too. I'm not really sorry. There you go. Where, 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 does he, where did he mock you? I didn't notice. He goes, I want, his, I want something in there that says, this ain't Kansas. Oh. <laughs> well, he's just yeah. pulling uh, an idiom from uh, yeah, Wizard, from of, Wizard Oz, of Oz. Yeah. Because yeah, you, yeah, cause you guys have heard never heard that. the Wizard of Oz. Thing. Never heard <laughs> yeah, that. Never. Yeah. yeah, never. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but uh, I, none of the three words that I would check or, or the three words I would use are in his list. Yeah. This is disappointing. Well, I would have used that, roll for initiative. Uh, yeah, see, but I, this is why I think he gave a list because he they yeah, really exactly. want to compile. You know, they want to compile the feedback and they want to be able to say this word was used the most by the most mm. people, you know. For well, and, this particular and thing, if, and if you tell an artist that you want a, an image that that captures the feeling of role for initiative, I don't. Yeah. I, I think a thousand <laughs> artists will interpret it a thousand ways. But if you tell an artist, I want something that looks, uh, you know, truthful, responsive, and polite, then that yeah. evokes something in an artist. You know, yeah. So that's. I think that's why he picked. That's why he how he crafted the list the way he did. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's fine. It's this is a good brainstorming technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not unusual. Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah, totally is. Yeah. yeah. So, All but right. It's very interesting. Well, did you very just did you just finish ten seconds early? I did. Wow. That's because I didn't spend five minutes being interrupted by Jeff. Ooh, hey, burn, burn. Sick burn. <laughs> I tried very hard to interrupt you as equally as I do anybody else. All right, I know. <laughs> that's all right. I, I interrupt uh, you right back. So that's right. <laughs> hey, we all want to get our bit our piece in. That's right. All right. Randall, you're up. That's right. Okay. So uh, am I just doing one of these or all three of them, I guess? It's up to you. Uh, oh, okay. You're doing whatever um, you 10 minutes. But your time has started. That is, it, this is true. So I picked some Q&As um, basically because I was being lazy and they're easy to do. So <laughs> – but the Q&As that I picked had to do with some of the development work they're doing with D&D Next uh, regarding classes – and um, of course, they're you know they want to get classes right because that's one of the fundamental core things in the game. And um, the Q and A's are are literally just that. People ask a lot of common questions, and they group those together and um, and and try to give an answer for it as best they can based on what they've got so far. So, um, 
let me give an example here. Uh, under um, fighters, there was a question about, uh, you know, if a fo fighter focuses on ranged weapons, what use is parry? Um, what could be substituted for it? Um, and this is a good question because I think a lot of people are used to, um, I can customize my character however I want. And every little thing I pick is going to be of immediate benefit to my character. And I think um, people are thinking, well, if parry is part of the normal fighter abilities, then if I'm using a bow all the time, is that a waste of a thing? And essentially they're saying no, because they're saying by focusing on a ranged weapon, the fighter's chosen to remain away from danger, um, which basically accomplishes the same goal as a parry. Right. <laughs> You've added survivability. Um, you, while you're not doing as much damage as a, two, a person using a two-handed weapon, you are certainly doing as much damage probably as um, a person using one-handed weapon, and you've got the advantage of range, so you have a defensive ability mm -hmm. there that you, you know. So it's basically they're trying to tell people <laughs> and, and, some if, things. And, and if they close on you as, as a fighter, if they close on right. you as a bow fighter, you still have the parry. You, you know? still have the parry, exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's important to note that uh, you know, class is about a certain set of archetypical things that some that that a, a type of person does, and it's not it's not really a Lego set. I love Legos. Don't get me wrong; everyone knows I love Legos. But it's when you're talking about the game design like this, it's not a Lego set. So yes, your fighter will have parry. It doesn't matter if he's using a bow or not. So you're not losing anything out of that. Um, let me let me can I interrupt and say yeah, something? Yeah, please. Yes. Okay, your fighter may specialize in using a bow, but what's he going to do when those three goblins get away from the rest of the group and run up to him and engage him in melee? Exactly. He's, he's going to parry. There you go. Yep. It's not a waste. And I could totally envision somebody like actually literally using their longbow and parrying a, a shot away and then whipping it up and shooting them in the face. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's pretty epic. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, let's see. Some of the other questions that were coming along were, uh, well, like even simple ones like this. How wide is a line-shaped breath weapon? Mm -hmm. It's going to be five feet. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy answer on that one. As, <laughs> as has been the case for many years, right? Or, or it's exactly. not, you know, that lightning bolt yeah. may not actually be five feet. But it hits right. anything within that five-foot area. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, yeah. it's lightning. It's, and, shoot, and it's that, shooting all over. And that totally makes sense. And But it's one of those things that I know why that question is important. Because I remember specific texts for certain spells in first edition D&D &D that said a pencil-thin beam of, of energy or light. And mm -hmm. so, okay, now we're talking about a pencil-thin beam. Mm -hmm. And someone is going to say, well... You know, I can duck a pencil thin beam, or I can like squish my body up to one side and miss, right. you know, pencil thin right. beam. And so, uh, you know, I think that's part of the reason some of these questions get asked is because there's still a legacy in a lot of this and a lot of the old rules mm -hmm. where you know, and that that kind of standardization, I don't mind at all because and, and that I, makes perfect sense. And I think, you know? I think more likely it would actually go the other way where I'm the caster and it's like, well, it's a pencil thin beam. I can shoot it between my allies' legs or whatever. You know, because right. it's so it's yeah. so small, I can totally make it so it doesn't hit them. Well, no, they're at risk because you're shooting right, you know, right there in their area. Exactly. So you know, it, whether which whether you're talking about the 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 victim or the or the perpetrator in this case, you're right. Um, 
you know, it's good to have the standardization and, you know, a beam is going to cover a five-foot area. Right. But those are the kind of questions, you know, there's historical reasons mm -hmm. why people are asking those. Yeah. Um, another another one that kind of goes along that same theme, and it's in, in the same article, is should finding a spells in treasure be a part of the game because they increase a wizard's power at increments unrelated to level advancement? Well, here we are again with why are we tying everything automatically to level? And, um, but, um, I was very happy with their answer when they said, sure, treasure is treasure. And that includes finding spells. And just because he finds that additional spell to write in a spell book does not mean he can cast extra spells that day. Right. It just means he has an additional choice. And, and that's, been, and that's, that's no different. Oh yeah. And I'm it, probably going to say exactly what you're going to yeah, say. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, that's no different than a warrior finding a hammer or and then using an axe or then changing to a dagger or whatever mm -hmm. he's he's yeah. got a number of choices he can choose from uh, so, I, I was going to say actually I was going to say that, that that's no different than what we've been doing for years pretty much in every edition except fourth right you know exactly mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I loved playing spellcasting characters every time I would go into a library or whatever uh, spell books yeah. <laughs> are there spell books <laughs> Because you're always at, looking to add because you, know, yeah, exactly. you, you become just, the Swiss army knife of, of the mm -hmm. adventuring party, you know. That's so can exactly I, right. I just – I'll tell you the vision I got in my head when Randall started saying, you know, if he found a hammer and if you – I imagined this fighter who every time he found a new weapon grew an extra arm. Yeah. <laughs> so now you have this guy with like seven arms and there's a different mm -hmm. weapon in each one. That's right. Um, so – but yeah, it's about choices there and and, and that – doesn't matter that it's you know this whole well that's a whole nother topic not even gonna get off <laughs> okay um let's see there was oh um big concern that will sorcerers and warlocks which have appeared in a very early playtest packet um will they return at some point and the answer of course is yes um it's interesting to see that they are really focusing on the sorcerer as a warrior mage archetype um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that or not. Yeah. Eh, I'm I mean, sort of I mean, neutral. the sorcerer has been around since what? Third edition. Uh, yes. But the, the, I sort of feel like the third edition and fourth edition version of the sorcerers, at least story wise ha ha were the same and neither one of them were warrior mage. It was basically, yeah, not really. it, it was basically a, a wizard with more flexibility. Yeah, or at least more immediate, well, actually, more imme immediate less, flexibility, less overall flexibility. I'd say less flexibility, more pew pew. Well, <laughs> because they were able to, and the reason I say that is because they could cast fewer numbers of spells. Most of the time, they were attack spells, and most of the time, they could cast them over and over. I mean, for third edition, that was a big deal when your sorcerer can cast magic missile six times or whatever right. and the wizard's only casting it once and i only say so, more, and i and i say more flexibility because you don't have to memorize so you have your entire you know library of spells available at any time you need it so it's it's well, it, you're yeah, right you're I right it, it it is yeah. it is both more and less flexibility it's just flexibility in different places right but yeah that's um but the idea of making it a warrior mage um i don't know it's a very different concept i i, I mean there have been lots of classes that were warrior mages. That, that is not what the sorcerer has ever been. 
Right. You know, there, there have been the blade singer. You know, the bard to some degree is a little bit, or can be built a little bit warrior mageish. You know, um, you could actually build a fighter mage and and do it that way. There are lots of ways historically through the editions to create warrior mages. Yeah. N- none of them have been called sorcerers. And I and and I guess that would be okay. But if that's the case, then we really need to get rid of spell blades. No hex blades. Well, because no, because that's um, what this is. Right, we exactly. Don't need, we don't need 17 warrior mage archetypes. Uh, types of classes, right. right, exactly. So, you know, and that's fine. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the warlock sort of changes form a little bit to be more like the traditional sorcerer as a result. Maybe mechanically, uh-huh. although I don't think they can Mechanically, cha- yeah. I don't think they can change the... And, and, and this is only for for novelization reasons that I'm thinking. But at this point, there are already a ton of warlock characters... <laughs> That yeah. function with a very specific story, and I don't know that they can just – or I think they would have issues ju- changing that name just because of all the fiction that would suddenly not make sense. Right, and I think Warlock's – the whole pact mechanic I think is still a very good thing that they can chew right. on, and, and I think and it's, it's really solid. And it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, Every it, Warlock has an immediate story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So um, – but it'll be interesting to see how that sorcerer starts to, to look after a while. Um, let's see here. Well, you're all, you are out of time. Oh, I'm out of time. So, so that is a good there time you go. Start. All right. So Q's and A's, lots of them coming out. So read those guys. <laughs> or just because... listen to Randall talk about them every month. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but that'll take forever. And there's, <laughs> I left out a bunch, and there's even whole articles that I left out. So. That's true. All right, but read in those. any case, that is all the time we have for this episode. Well, we want to thank you guys for supporting us by shopping at Amazon and dndclassics.com through our affiliate links, of course, over at thetomeshow.com. That is thetomeshow, all one word, no spaces, dot com. And don't, you don't forget, know how a URL works? Yes, that's a, hey, hey, <laughs> you never know. If th- This could be first-time listeners. We appreciate you as well. well no, first-time listeners, and, no, but there's no spaces in URLs. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't matter. There's somebody sometimes, you know, you never know. Right? Okay. And don't forget to email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com. That is thetomeshow at gmail.com for your suggestions on formatting, which we have now gone two episodes with the same format. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, we kind of got a a hybrid this time, didn't we? I mean, I took 10 minutes on one article. You took 10 minutes on two articles. And Randy took 10 minutes on three articles. So we kind of did all of them. Oh, it was kind of like a pyramid almost. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have suggestions on a format and a name, which we still don't have. Although we had a suggestion uh, on a name, didn't we? Yes, but uh, well, some, I think it got Somebody vetoed. didn't like it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you can swing by thetomeshow.com for our show notes. Uh, and so until next time, this is Jeff Greiner signing out for myself, Sam Dillon, and our man on the streets in the city of Brass, Randall Walker. I am on fire. Keep on gaming, Tomites. Send help. <laughs> Oh, nice. Ah! <laughs>